How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You are listening to The Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBTQ stories. I am your curator, Karis Bradley. Okay, uh, you are listening to The Coming Out Tapes. Uh, we're recording today from the Marlborough, who very kindly let us um, pop in uh, and and find a quiet place to record um, in Brighton. So my first non-London recording, and I'm here with Gwen. Um, Gwen, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Gwen. Uh, Non-London may not be strictly true. Um, I'm originally from North London. Uh, I moved around somewhat. I uh, studied up in Leicester for a while and I've been living in Brighton for about the last uh, year or so. Very cool. Um, And what have you been doing in Brighton? Um, I started off looking for work. I I worked uh, at a couple of different places. I worked at an ice cream shop and an aquarium. Uh, And then um, I realized I'd developed uh, some level of chronic fatigue. Uh, which has sadly prevented me from working recently. Uh, but I try, I try and do as much as I can. You know, I try and get creative. Um, I like songwriting and poetry and all those kinds of things. So, do you mind me asking what what chronic fatigue is? Oh yeah, chronic fatigue, sure thing. Um, so chronic fatigue is um, it can manifest in different ways. You can be physically tired. You can be kind of you know mentally tired. You know when you're kind of sleepy. Um, but it's just general fatigue. Uh, and chronic fatigue syndrome is chronic fatigue without any particular uh, visible reason for it. Because chronic fatigue can be a symptom of something else, but I just have it for whatever reason. Trying to figure it out, trying to look into it at the current moment. And um, yeah, it's just an ongoing process, just trying to get on my life, living with it, basically. I have to say you're doing very well, pausing in between the loud... <laughs> noises from the the bar so what a professional um okay so uh given that this is the coming out tapes um how do you identify um i was thinking about this last night and it's a complicated question because i don't think it's something i think about personally a lot right um i mean for all intents and purposes i would identify as a trans woman as a lesbian but then 
things can be a bit more complicated than that. Uh, so some part of me is agender. Um, I used to I used to identify as um, non-binary for a while, and I think through that experience, you know, I don't feel like I can ever. 100% identify within the binary it's just this experience that I had kind of changed the way I perceive gender within myself if that makes sense uh, sexuality similar sense like um, you know I identify as a lesbian for all intents and purposes but at the same time you know I have found myself a- attracted to non-binary people um, and very occasionally I will find myself attracted to a man but um, <laughs> less less common I will say and uh, I've never had a relationship um, with a man, as far as I know. So, um, yeah, for all intents and purposes, I'm a trans woman and a lesbian. Um, when you say, uh, so agender, what does that mm. word mean to you? It's For me, it's like a complete like lack of gender identity. Like, um, for me personally, at least. Like, it's when I don't really feel my gender as intensely. I just kind of feel myself, you know, as a person, as opposed to like, gender but then at the same time you know at the same time cis people don't really think about their gender all that often and you know it's always up in the air as, as to whether you know it is I, i'm a woman you know through and through and that's just the way you feel about being a woman but like as i say for me it's not really a big deal um it's just the way i navigate the world it makes it easier just to say i'm a woman uh, and fit into those spaces do you um, feel differently on, like, in the times when you identify as agender to the times when you identify as a woman? Um, I don't know. Like, I feel most. Thinking about it, I feel most womanly. Womanly. <laughs> I feel most uh, like that when I'm uh, kind of all dressed up, when I'm wearing my full makeup, and you know, obviously that doesn't equal woman. But for me, that's it makes me feel more comfortable identifying that way. Because I know when I go out, you know, I'll be more likely to be read that way. Um, yeah, I, I, I have, it's something I haven't actually thought about before, if I'm being honest. Um, it just kind of, it comes and goes, I guess. Um, and I guess it uh, sometimes when I, also when I have chronic fatigue, for instance, and I, I, I just don't have energy, I kind of feel like a bit of nothingness, you know, like I'm just kind of like... <sighs> And that's kind of when I don't really think about gender or perform gender, I suppose. Um, so just to clarify, yeah, all of this beautiful eye makeup and the perfect eyebrows, this isn't you fully, like, dolled up to go out? Um, this is this is my, you know, standard makeup look, I guess. Okay, uh, it's very yeah. impressive. I realise that in the podcast medium, this maybe isn't translating, but... <laughs> It's very, it's very good. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. I said to my housemate this morning, "Oh, how do you like my makeup?" And they're like, "Oh, is that for the podcast?" I said, "Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> it's not a visual medium, but you know, it might make it a bit better, kind of um, by a transitive property, I suppose." Um, okay, so when did you when did you first start using that language? So lesbian, um, and agender, mm. um, and transgender. When did you start using those words to describe yourself? Those, well, those three words all have kind of different stories for me. Um, I think agender kind of came first. And then as I kind of transitioned, as I went through uh, HRT, hormone replacement therapy, um, and felt more myself, I felt more comfortable with calling myself a woman. And as I became more comfortable with being a woman, I found it more comfortable to 
reframe my sexuality in a more sapphic way um because previously i kind of identified as pansexual bisexual because it, it kind of was the only word i can find to describe how i felt if that makes sense so what did the word bisexual mean to you well i actually bisexual is the very first thing i came out as uh, i was about 15 um, when I came out as bisexual. And for me, it was the only language I had at the time to kind of describe how I felt uh, in terms of both my gender gender and sexuality. Because I knew I wasn't straight, but at the same time, I was attracted to women, right? So I, I didn't have the language to explain that I was a lesbian. So it was me trying to kind of reframe the idea of my sexuality through a different lens, I suppose. Um, even though I wasn't like super attracted to men, like I was way more attracted to women. Um, it, I think it was just a way of explaining my gender identity at a time when I didn't have the language to explain my gender identity. It was reframing my sexuality and maybe, uh, in relation to men, maybe a more submissive way. I don't know. It's a very complicated thing. And, and as time went on, I found less of a need to use that language so do you think that you didn't identify with the idea of being straight because when we talk about straight we talk Mm. about it's not just about who you're attracted to it's relative to who you are so in order to take the straight identity yeah it's like heteronormativity but you have to take the identity of being a man yeah 100 100 you know straight meant being a man and i knew that i didn't feel like that even though i didn't maybe didn't necessarily internalize that or didn't have the language or even wasn't conscious of it i knew that i was like different somehow or my sexuality differed from heterosexuality somehow um but then again you know this is all in the ancient past for me you know well not that ancient i was gonna say you do not not that ancient but you know it's very easy to ascribe ascribe um meaning to things that happened a very long time ago and go oh that's the reason that must have meant I was trans or that must have meant I was queer or whatever. Um, but I think looking back, that's probably why I came out at that time, just because that was the only language I had, you know. Why do you think that that was the only language that you had? We Did you not, had you not heard of terms like transgender? I hadn't heard of terms like transgender. Um, very young, I remember probably around the beginning of puberty, I would say 13 to 15 i remember i used to kind of lie awake at night and wish i'd wake up the next day as a woman right and i thought that was normal i thought everyone felt like that um but i didn't have language to express that i didn't know what that meant and so i just assumed that was normal um and bisexual was the only thing i knew different from being straight or gay and i knew i wasn't gay because um you know i wasn't well, I am gay, but I'm not. I wasn't gay as a man. You know, I wasn't um, exclusively attracted to men, so that was the only thing that fit. Do you think that the fact that you um, grew up without that language, mm. um, do you think that's changed the the way that your relationship with your both your gender and your sexuality, like, would it? Do you think it would have been different if you had had the specific terms to describe what you were feeling? I don't know. Um, My transition's been kind of um, very slow and literally transitional. Like, um, 
I haven't always identified as a woman, you know, as I say, I've identified as non-binary, kind of gender fluid. And it's, you know, even when I've known the language, you know, trans woman, lesbian, I don't feel that I'd been comfortable using those terms until I felt comfortable with myself. So who knows, maybe I would have felt comfortable or understood myself a bit more, but I might not have felt comfortable using those terms immediately, you know, that kind of thing. If that answers the question. I think it does, very comprehensively. Okay, so um, you mentioned that the first time that you came out, you came out as bisexual. Yep. Um, and that was at 15? Around then, yeah. Um, and then at what What other, when did you come out at the other, the other words that you used to describe yourself? So, or trans. Um, or lesbian. Or yeah, lesbian. sure. So... The first time I came out as trans was around when I was 17. And uh, I was I was feeling down. I was in a public space. I was feeling kind of... Uh, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for it. I was feeling kind of shitty. <laughs> and um, uh, someone I didn't know very well came up to me. Uh, someone also I had a, a crush on because I thought they were way too cool for me. Uh, and then, you know, they, they asked me why I was feeling down and upset. And I said, you know, sometimes I feel like I want to be a girl. And I think that was the first time I'd ever spoken those thoughts. And that person said to me, well, sometimes I feel like I want to be a boy. And there was this instant connection where we were like, oh, this, this, this is real. This is a thing. You know, this isn't just me. Um, and from there we kind of started dating we dated for about nine months and that kind of gave me a space to explore you know gender identity so you know I, through that time I you know I kind of identified as uh, non-binary and um, gender fluid and all kinds of things uh, just trying to figure out the words that I could use for myself um, the first time I ever came out to my family I think was my I think it was my mum or is it my little sibling? I think it was my little sibling. So I, I did this whole dramatic thing where I think my partner at the time had given me a bra, right? And I'd stuffed it with socks. And I was like, hey, this is me. Like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, hey, this is me. Um, and, you know, my family took a while to adjust, I suppose. My, my mother had a not a great reaction at first, um, but my dad, you know, as time went on, things were a lot more supportive. Um, my little sibling was always very supportive of me from the get-go, basically. Uh, but that was the first time I kind of came out to my family. And then I've also, as time went on, I came out to my grandparents. Um, my gran grandmother specifically was amazing. Um, she said, you know, whatever you're happy as, you know, you know, I just want to see you happy, basically. Um, I want I, I want you to be happy. Uh, sadly, she passed away in December. Um, <laughs> I, do you mind if I talk about this? So, Go for it. Uh, I went to see her in the hospital. She'd, uh, you know, had a sudden problem. She went to hospital. And then from there, she went to a, uh, I think, a care home. And then she passed away later on. I saw her a few weeks before she passed away. Um, 
and I decided to get kind of a bit dressed up for it. You know, I didn't want to go looking like crap, basically. You know, you're I wanted I wanted her to see the best now, of me. As this is, as you're gesturing as if this is what you look like when you think you look. No, like No, 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 no. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. No, I look amazing. You do, yeah. Um. So yeah, I, d- I just wanted to look nice for her, you know. And so I'd worn a leather jacket and you know, uh, smoky eye and all that kind of stuff. And before leaving, uh, she said to me, "Oh, you look a lot cooler these days." <laughs> And I said, oh, thank you. And she said, oh, is, is it because you're happier? And I said, oh, yeah, maybe. And she said, oh, you are happier, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, of course I am. And she just she just smiled. She did this big grin. And I could tell that she just absolutely accepted me. Just for the, like, not even had to struggle with it. Just was happy that I was happy. Or happier than I had been. And that was, I feel like, the most acceptance or lovely thing that had happened to me through my family regarding my gender identity if that makes sense like they weren't my grandmother wasn't bothered by or worried about me she was just happy that I was happy and um yeah that was such a lovely moment for me and at the obviously at the time you can imagine it would make me kind of uh quite emotional because you know she was she wasn't well uh, but yeah, that was probably my favourite. I suppose that wasn't a coming out as such, but it kind of stemmed from me coming to her. Because I was initially scared to come out to her. Because, you know, she was older. She was like 90s. I didn't know how she would react at all. But she was absolutely amazing. And that was just like a really wonderful experience. Um. So when you came out to your family... Hmm. Um, did you then have to come out as a lesbian? Did you like explicitly talk to them about that? I don't think, you know, that's funny because I don't think that uh, that's such a big thing when you're trans because I think it's like already a given that you're queer, right? And so people don't really think about your sexuality as much. They're just, they just see you as an other. Um, but for me personally reclaiming the word lesbian was a difficult process because I felt um, maybe unworthy of it that um, because you know I didn't necessarily feel confident in my gender identity that I couldn't call myself a lesbian or that I saw lesbian as being this very specific thing you know cisgender a woman who loves another woman that kind of thing and that was a really difficult thing for me to kind of reclaim and understand about myself but the more I've kind of accepted it and the more I've kind of uh, internalized it the more I felt connected to it um, and I'm you know learning a lot more about history about lesbianism and it, it's just something wonderful you know it feels so I, I don't know how to explain it it just I it's a way of reframing the sexuality that I've always felt in a way that just makes me really happy you know like i love women like i really love women but like not in a heterosexual way you know in a really gay way like i'm super fucking gay (laughs) and i love it do you think that um you feel uncomfortable with the like heterosexual uh kind of identity like that way of being attracted to women uh because heterosexual men are so awful Mm. Mm. 
Um, so what part of it do you think is that um, you felt that the, it didn't suit you because you uh, were a woman mm. um, slash agender and, and yeah. um, non-binary? Um, and what part of it was that you were able to recognize even at that age that there are often like quite toxic things about these relationships? You know, I think that took me a long time to understand even within myself, you know, obviously growing up within a society that's uh, that has a lot of prejudices and uh, really bad things that you internalize. I think I internalized quite a lot of that myself. And, you know, I don't think I always looked at women in the same way I look at women now. Um, and it took me a long time to kind of undo that in my head and reframe, reframe it in my head. Um, but yeah, I don't think I ever felt comfortable being in that role, being the kind of heterosexual male role. Um, you know, I never felt that I was being cared for. I never felt that it was kind of a mutual thing. I always felt there was some power dynamic that I didn't necessarily want there to be. And that was a very difficult thing to work through. Um, but I came out the other end, you know, with a clear understanding of myself and also a clear understanding because transitioning to a woman has given me more experience as a woman. And then, therefore, I'm able to relate to women on a more healthy level, I think. And that's not to say, you know, men can't relate to women or anything like that. But for me, it wasn't the right dynamic, you know, in order to... I don't know what I'm talking about. What am I talking about? No, I think I think <laughs> I'm going around in circles. But I do, I do think I, I think I get it. You get the gist. Yeah, um, but I guess it's difficult to work out how much of it is feeling uncomfortable in your own gender yeah. presentation versus other people's presentation mm. of the gender that they're imposing on mm. you. Um, yes, I don't have a segue to the next question. No, that's okay. That's so we're okay. just gonna. Uh, so where in your life are you out? So you're out to your immediate your close family i'm out to my whole family at the moment yeah um apart from i don't know if my like distant relatives know i have no idea because i don't really talk to much but yeah i'm out to my family um out to my friends um i basically live out you know um because i mean at the moment uh you know i've been on hrt for a couple of years now you probably, also, probably longer i mean you dress very gay yeah, I'm wearing flannel. Yeah. Uh, pink flannel. I mean, your t-shirt literally has the word gay on it. Oh, yeah, this is an LGSM t-shirt. Lesbians and gay men support the minors. Yeah. Um, really great organization. Check them out if you can. And also lesbians and gays support the migrants. Yes. Which I think they deserve an award 100%. for the name. Yes. Um, but yeah, what was the question again? It was, so you're, so you're, <laughs> you're out. You're out just sort of everywhere. Yeah, so I'm out everywhere. Um I am. I find it uncomfortable uh, being stealth personally. Like I, like even when it's not intentional, you know. I've applied for jobs before, and I've been in interviews, and I've been, you know, wearing full makeup and, um, you know, prominent chest, you know, that kind of thing. Not that it's intentional. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm not at liberty to say. Um, but even then, like sometimes I, I get read as a man. Okay. mostly because of my voice I think but that's something you know I haven't really ever wanted to bother with voice training 
it's not something that I personally want, so I don't think it's something that I should go for. Um, but yeah, I'm basically out everywhere, you know. Even you know, sometimes I get misgendered, but that's not something that's intentional, you know. Uh, I just I just want to live life to my own standards and not other people's standards. That makes sense, you know. I don't want to like make other people comfortable and at, at the at the uh, what's the opposite word of benefit expense <laughs> at the expense thank you at the expense of my own comfort you know yeah is this um like a is this level of comfortableness um in in that position is that something yeah. that you have always felt or is that something that you've had to have you had to work to get to this position oh I've 100% had to work um I gotta work um wow I've never Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I said that before in my life. That was awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I've had to really work to be comfortable with it. Um, you know, from learning makeup and, you know, learning what clothes to wear and that kind of thing. You know, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have that as a teenager. And so being, you know, an 18 to 20 something and learning all that stuff for the first time can be difficult because everyone else is already, you know, at a higher level of understanding of those things than you. And you're kind of playing catch up. Um, but after a while, it's taken me, you know, a couple of years probably. I found a, a style that I'm more or less comfortable with. Um, occasionally I'll wear a dress. More likely I'll just wear jeans and a t-shirt or uh, flannel or something like that. You know, I dress in a kind of fairly futch kind of way. Fairly? Futch, like uh, middle of feminine butch, you know. Okay. You see, like, yeah. it's a portmanteau. There you go. Uh, so I dress in the kind of middle of that that spectrum. 
Um, but yeah, it's just finding that stuff has taken me a very long time. Um, I feel like we've talked quite a lot about um, like makeup and clothes. Yeah. Um, not my area of expertise. No, no, that's fine. You're supposed to say what? You have a fantastic style. Um, oh yeah, you look great. <laughs> Thanks. I do like your hair. Thank you. It's a lovely shade of pink. Um, uh, how do you think that um, your relationship with hair and makeup has like mm. followed? Is it been on the same journey as your relationship with your sexuality and your gender? And do you think that learning the makeup and the mm. what style suits you? Do you think that helped? That's an interesting question. I haven't really thought about it that much. I think as I came out and went through the kind of phases of being non-binary gender fluid all those kinds of things i used to dye my hair a lot like i used to have uh pink hair red hair blue hair uh blonde for a while uh, you know undercut all those kinds of things because that was the way i saw other queer people um uh, displaying their kind of identity and so i i did that for a very long time uh, kind of settled on pink for a while and at the moment i'm kind of at a gray of a steel gray color which i quite like um which i'm trying to grow out uh, makeup was a process i think when i first started makeup i went very avant-garde so you have you ever seen blade runner yes you know um uh, the character with the stripe of makeup across her eyes i can't remember her name but i did that quite a lot okay uh, like a, a long stripe across my face across my eyes of like blue makeup i did uh, lots of kind of red eyeliner, blue lipsticks, that kind of thing, like quite off the wall stuff. Um, but I didn't wear foundation and I didn't really know how to, you know, work with my own features. Uh, that's something that I've learned as well that took me a while to learn. Um, and that's a more recent thing where I've learned that, you know, because I've got a quite a prominent brow, um, I've used eyeshadow to kind of push that brow back by using a lighter color on my lids and a darker color on my brow to kind of pu pull my lids forward and push my brow back so it looks, you know, a bit more, you know, streamlined. I streamlined? I'm not sure that's the right word. See, I'm not that great at makeup. <laughs> a really streamlined look. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's come over a period of, you know, many years. And I used to, as I say, I kind of went from avant-garde and kind of experimental, which I, I suppose was the same way I felt about my identity, to kind of settling down into a more um, standard style, you know, smoky eye, a bit of blush, a bit of highlighter, you know, a bit of lipstick, that kind of thing. And I felt more comfortable with it now, you know. I didn't feel like I was trying to do a whole shock thing. I'm just kind of, it's my daily look. Um, if I go out, that is. If I'm in, I just look like a complete goblin. Um but hey, goblins can be sexy, so who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just it's just evolved, I think, as time's gone on. You know. Yeah, I don't think I've ever talked so much about makeup. In yeah, my life. I'm really rambling. My mum is going to be so proud of me. Okay, so you've um, talked about coming out to your nan and how mm. sweet and wonderful she was. Yes. Do you have any other memorable, either good or or bad, coming out stories? Yeah. So. It's funny because I think about it and before I came out to either my paternal grandparents or my maternal grandmother, um, I thought it was going to go completely the other way, that my paternal grandparents were going to react really well and that my grandmother was going to, because she was older, she was going to react 
No, not as well. Um, but actually, it went the complete opposite of that. Like as I as I've spoken about before, my grandmother had an absolutely amazing reaction. She was really great on pronouns as well, which was lovely considering it was completely foreign to her. You know, she'd grown up before television, and yet she was you know doing all this stuff for me and trying her very best, which was so sweet. But my grandparents on my other side, um, I used to visit them every couple of weeks on the weekend with my dad. And I got kind of tired of being misgendered. So I ended up just sending them a letter, kind of explaining my gender identity, even though I didn't explain it in a very concise, understandable way for a couple of 80-something-year-olds. And initially... They reacted okay. They were, you know, oh, you know, we love you, that kind of thing. But as time went on, I think they realized that it was a, a real thing. Like, it, they, it kind of sunk in that this wasn't, like, a phase, quote-unquote. And then they were kind of, like, not as accepting. Um, my granddad said to my dad when I wasn't there, he said, oh, next thing you'll be wearing dresses. And my dad said, well, she already wears dresses, like you're a bit behind on the curve there. Um, And I think that kind of goes to prove, you know, people react in completely different ways to how you might expect sometimes. You know, even if you know someone quite well, um, or, you know, not that well, if you think they'll have a bad reaction, they might not have a terrible reaction. They might have a really great one. But even if you think they're a great person, they might turn around and be like, oh, no, you're going to cut off your genitals or, like, whatever. Yeah, so I I suppose you just never know how people are going to react. And I think that's kind of been a learning experience for me, you know. And I I think I can be quite cautious in in what I say to people now because of that, you know. Um, Like, I'm out, but I don't necessarily, like, say, like, oh, hi, I'm trans. Because, you know, I don't know how people are going to react. So, you know, people I don't know very well, I'm just not going to necessarily talk about it. Because, you know, why should I? Yeah. yeah. I've spoken to a few um, people, friends Mm. of mine, who have said things like, um, so they, coming out is not the same as coming out as like gay or bisexual or lesbian where you say Mm. I'm I'm gay. um, Because being out is presenting your gender Mm. so that people recognize and accept your your gender. Um, But it's difficult because you you want to be seen as a woman, Mm. not a transgender woman. particularly for from people who see those two things as as different yeah sure i think transgender women like from some people's point of view are like men pretending to be women you know and i think that is true like coming out in in terms of sexuality is different from coming out in terms of gender because when i came out as bisexual initially everyone was like oh it's fine you know whatever uh because it wasn't this whole like you didn't have to put in any effort to wrap your head around a new way of thinking about someone right they're the same person, you just knew something more about them. Um, but when it comes to gender identity, you're basically saying, hey, who you thought I was wasn't really who I am, and I want you to accept me for who I am. And I suppose for a lot of people that's a, a big shift and a big change to make. Um, and that can be really exhausting, especially if you're trans, because like... A lot of people go, oh, it's really hard to like see you as that now. It's really difficult. And it's like, it's really difficult to come out to you. It's really difficult to be trans, you know, sometimes. 
and it's not about you. Like I understand people have their own issues um, with, you know, internalizing someone's gender identity, but at the end of the day, that's something they need to keep to themselves, you know, and work through personally and not bother someone else with. Yeah. Um, you taking the opportunity to come out to them is not an invitation for them to come out as struggling with yeah, those yeah. issues to you. Yeah, you've made yourself vulnerable and they kind of take that as a kind of affront almost. You know, they, they take that as a, like... And it's not an attack on them, but like, oh, it's an issue now. You know, I think that's the way my grandparents reacted somewhat. They're like, oh, isn't it terrible? Oh, don't you wish it never happened? That kind of thing. I don't know how they feel now. I don't really talk to them that much, but it's it's just like, I wish you could just accept me for who I am and not necessarily like, you know, be perfect on pronouns or anything like that, but just be happy that I'm happy. And that's what my grandmother did, you know. You know, she might not understood what I was going through necessarily, but she was happy that I was happy. And, and that's all that matters, I think, you know, just trying your best and not making it about you. So um, given that you have all of these different experiences of coming mm. out, what does coming out mean to you? Mm. That is a tricky question. Mean in what sense? So, um, okay, so with the basic one, like if someone asked you what is coming out, mm. what would you say that it was? Coming out is showing someone a different part of you that is very personal, very a vulnerable part of you, and saying, I want you to accept that part of me or love that part of me. Um, and it's a very it's a difficult experience because you're opening yourself up to so many different like emotions and and potential issues I think it's just this process of making yourself vulnerable and open and there's something really beautiful about that you know being so open about yourself and being honest about yourself or I don't think honest is the right word because I you know, people stay in the closet for reasons, you know, I don't expect everyone to come out, you know, you know, people have their own reasons and safety reasons and all that kind of stuff. But it is this wonderful thing of going, hey, this is me. And, (laughs) you know, it's almost as big as like saying that you love someone else, you know, it's saying your innermost feelings about something. Um, yeah it's not a question I really thought about a whole lot but I think that's that's what I'd say yeah. if that makes sense it, it does um, not like necessarily here but mm. like here yeah I'm pointing to my head yeah, and my I was about heart to say. podcast medium
Thank you so much for listening. Um, you've been listening to me, Karis Bradley. I'd like to say a couple of thank yous to the other people who've worked on this project. So Alex Lathbridge, who has helped with the hosting of the podcast and also the compiling of, of the music that you've heard um, and to Scary Boots for creating our incredible artwork. Please subscribe, review, tell your friends, spread the word. Um, and if you want to get involved and be interviewed on the podcast, then there's a link um on the website and in the bio of our, our Twitter. So there's a little form that you can fill out. I hope you have a lovely day. Uh, so I know that you um, said that you had been thinking quite a lot about things that you wanted mm. to talk about mm. today. Was there things that we didn't cover that you wanted to? Yeah, it's funny. I, I think I wanted to talk a lot about my sexuality because I don't think there's a lot of like at the moment especially in kind of like channel four you get a lot of discussion about people who are trans and the discussion never really goes towards sexuality very much and how sexuality can really be different for trans people like my experiences as a trans lesbian are completely different to that of a cis lesbian because you know almost people expect me to be attracted to women because they still see me as a man you know that kind of thing um and i guess i wanted to talk about my experiences with how my sexuality relates to my gender and how my gender relates to my sexuality and how they're kind of intrinsically linked like i love women as a woman and so i'm a lesbian and i'm a lesbian so that means i'm a woman it's this kind of cyclic thing that just they both reinforce each other and you know as i said very early on even though i am um, I can be attracted to non-binary people or very, very occasionally men. Identifying a lesbian is almost part of my gender identity, you know, because it, it reinforces the idea that I'm a woman and this this idea of lo- loving women as a woman. Um, and that's kind of just what I wanted to talk about, you know, how those two things intersect and how I haven't really seen a lot of discussion about those things Maybe I'm looking in the wrong places, but that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to talk about um, my trans identity in such a, uh, in a a vacuum. You know, I wanted to talk about it, how it interacts with different uh, elements of myself. Uh, If if that answers your question. Can we talk a little bit more about the, um, sometimes when people, they don't see you as a lesbian, they still Mm. see you as a, or they they um, they incorrectly gender you because mm. you're attracted to women, mm. and that's behaviour which is expected of straight men. Well, you know, I don't know. Like, I think even if I was attracted to men, they might see me as a gay man. You know, or like, there's this kind of idea that like some people think that trans women are just really camp gay men. You know, or that it's a form of drag. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily like. You know, when people see me in a relationship with a woman and go, oh, well, that makes sense. I don't think that's something they really think about. It's not a, a conclusion they come to. It's just like a gut reaction. And they go, oh, that, that's like that's understandable, you know, because that's heteronormativity. And they don't, maybe don't necessarily see that as a lesbian relationship. They just see that as like, you know, a trans woman, i.e. a man and a woman. And they might not think about that in a kind of like a really uh, conscious way, but maybe that's 
you know, in the back of their mind. Maybe that's, it, it doesn't seem as, somehow it doesn't seem as shocking as two cis lesbians together, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does, it does make sense. It does make sense. Um, do you, have you been met by the LGBT community with transphobia or homophobia because of the way that they've perceived your... I, you know, it's funny, agency. like, I haven't ever had, like, outright homophobia i don't think but i have experienced transphobia um in small ways and in ways that people maybe not don't necessarily like think that might hurt someone um like for instance uh i got rejected on tinder recently or maybe rejected is a strong word but i was chatting to this girl on tinder um and you know we got chatting got a bit flirty and i said and i wanted to put it out that i was trans before I went any further, because, you know, you don't know how someone's going to react further down the line. And I didn't want to disappoint myself as well. I didn't want to get, like, really invested and then for her to go, oh, no, sorry, I'm not attracted to trans people. But that's kind of what happened in a way. Like, uh, I said, you know, I'm trans, is that okay? You know, I should have to justify that, but, you know, just to put that out there. And she said something along the lines of, oh, I'm only really looking for, like, women with boobs and a vagina, uh, I've done the whole penis thing before. And for me, that was just like, like you're just completely passing over me as a person. And it's equating the way I love women to like how a man might love a woman. And it was just a really horrible experience just to be reduced down to your body. Especially since it's something that I, <laughs> I do get stressed about. And that I do worry might affect my relationships with other people. Um, and you know that is quite prevalent you know and I think the the rhetoric from a lot of anti-trans people is like trans women are trying to get lesbians to like penis and that kind of thing and it's like there's more to a person than that and it's just so exhausting and so frustrating like like I don't I'm not going to criticize anyone for having like certain preferences when it comes to genitals or more experience when it comes to genitals but the fact that you're just completely disregarding entire person just because of like one part of their body it just feels so horrible to be reduced down to that um, and that's just kind of like a, a recent experience um off the top of my head do you think that so a lot of the rhetoric which is around people describing their sexuality yeah. is talking about genitalia yeah i think so i think um even people who are kind of like say that they're trans inclusive, you know, lesbians who talk about, oh, I love vagina and like, you know, going down on girls and that kind of thing. They even if they go, oh, and also trans women exist, it's still kind of tagging them on as an afterthought, you know, loving like and this is something that I feel strongly about because I, I am attracted to women as a woman. Women aren't just genitals. You know, they're not... That, if, if you're reducing a woman down to her body parts, then you're just as bad as a misogynist. Mm. You know? like I, I, th I And I find that a really exhausting part of the communities that I've seen. And I know that's not part of every community. Um, but you, you never know. You never know how someone might say something like that, even if they say they, they're trans-inclusive. You know, they might say, oh, yeah, I love trans, you know, trans women are women, but, oh, I wouldn't date a trans woman. 
you know, that kind of thing. And it, it can be quite insidious, you know, oh, I accept trans women, but I don't see them as women, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, like I respect their right to identify as a woman. I just don't feel like I have to res- like validate it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying, hey, if you're a lesbian, you have to date a trans woman or otherwise you're a transphobe. Like, that's not it at all. But like, just maybe try and see people for people Yeah, a little bit. I, I'm going to confess that. So I used to make jokes about how like since coming out i've realized that i just hate having sex with penises mm. but what i've realized is that it's not that it's that i don't enjoy penetrative sex right it's yeah. different um and i think that it's like firstly that um we obviously are taught that there's the way to have sex which mm. is the penis goes in the vagina and then it comes out and then it goes back in again what um <laughs> no one ever told me this um uh and then the and then the other thing is that we don't really have like a language to describe not either liking that or not liking mm. yeah. that. Um, and and then so the way that I did talk about it, like I now realize was exclusionary mm. um, and I've tried to correct that, but it was like, it was quite a difficult way of learning exactly yeah. what it was that I didn't like. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Like for me personally, like I'm coming from that from the other side of it, like penetrative sex makes me dysphoric. Because it makes me feel like I'm being put in a masculine position. And, you know, maybe after I have surgery or something like that, I might feel more comfortable using uh, prosthesis, as they say. Um, But yeah, no, I totally understand that. Uh, And, you know, uh, I think that's why partly I took exception to that person saying, oh, I've done the whole penis thing, meaning, oh, I've had penetrative sex. And that's not what I'm about, you know? Yeah, that is a big assumption on terms of what yeah. you were hoping to, like, yeah, 100%. do and what you do do. And and it's, again, seeing trans women and penises by extension as being the realm of men, you know? You know, loving a trans woman is completely different to loving a man. Simply put, you know? I think it's good to end on something simply put. So, yeah. Gonna stop it there. Yeah, no problem. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. 
Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 